I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth! So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonderful, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff. Joining me in just a minute are my co-hosts, my friends, my colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. A little special note, keep your ears to the grindstone for Anthony's sultry voice on a special edition of the Action Network podcast for the Australian Open. This is a soccer podcast, but we will talk maybe a smidge of tennis here and there. Uh, as the Aussie Open gets going. Um, But before I bring in BJ and Anthony, just a reminder, Wonder Goal is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. It is a wild week coming in the Premier League. An absolutely wild week. But before we get to the crazy weekend, where all eight teams in the top eight are playing one another. And then we have two relegation six-pointers headlined by a showdown at Goodison Park between Southampton and Everton. There's a Thursday game, too. Just a random sprinkled-in Thursday match between Fulham. They're plus 230 at home. And Chelsea, plus 110 on the road. The draw is plus 270. Anthony, I'll start with you. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about Fulham's... Well, first of all, it's nice to see you guys again. It's been a while. Um, yeah, it has been a while, Mike. It it's great to see you guys. It's great it, it to see you This is a great weekend to come back. Yeah, exactly. It was I got drilled in the FA Cup, nice so I'm happy for the Premier League to be back. Oh, it's back. Um, yeah. And it's back with Fulham and Chelsea. We've talked a lot about Fulham's defense. 19th in non-penalty expected goals uh, allowed. 20th in big scoring chances allowed. Anthony, is this just a get-right spot for Chelsea on the road? Because they're not very good either. I don't think so. You know... I- Chelsea is clearly been downgraded a little bit in the market here now. You, you know, this line was sitting minus 105. Look aheads. Now it's up to the, or down to plus 110. I think a lot of that had to do with the injuries. Raheem Sterling going out injured. Christian Pulisic going out injured in the uh, city match in the league. And then they looked completely lifeless in the cup match. Didn't register a shot. Uh, it was, it was downright embarrassing. And I think Chelsea now signs Joao Felix, which in the medium to long term, I'm fine with. I think it's a good upgrade. Like he's a good player. He's fine, but he's not going to play in this match, I'm assuming. And so 
there's no real answer in attack for this team. I mean, it's Havertz and Aubameyang, no Reese James still. Like this Chelsea team doesn't look like they're making steps forward. I know that the seat's getting a little bit hot for Graham <laughs> Potter maybe already somehow. Uh, but this is also a bet against the Fulham attack, and I won't repeat myself on their attack, but Alexander Mitrovic is suspended for this match. He will not play. The guy behind him is Tottenham legend Carlos Vinicius, who had a short-lived stay at Tottenham, did the Mbappe celebration uh, one time. That was really cool, but he's not a very good player. I mean, he's averaging 1.3 shots per 90 in uh, 490s this year and just under a tenth of an XG per 90. So, like, he's a really not been effective at all as striker, and I think it's a bad matchup for him, of course, going up against Chelsea. Fulham's defense continues to be really bad when you look at the numbers like XG, but th- some of the other numbers like expected threat and uh, box t- entries allowed and like touches in the penalty area aren't quite as bad. So I continue to think that Fulham's defense won't stay this bad forever. I think there's a little bit of air in those numbers. Uh, and and the Chelsea defense, I just don't think is going to have a ton of problems. You know, we talked about Fulham. They're so good at crossing because they have an elite guy you can get his head on the ball and and you know headed in and they lead the league in heading goals or second in the league in headed goals most goals from crosses so that's the one avenue and now they don't have Mitrovic for this match so I like the under two and a half I grabbed it I like anything plus money here I project this just under two and a half with Mitrovic so you take him out you know you throw a little adjustment in there I think this is a clear under spot and and Chelsea's attack just doesn't look like it's going to get right and in some ways it's Potter's fault, but in some ways it's just a, a bad run of luck. I mean, everybody's hurt. BJ, anything here quickly? Uh, I know, I know, it's not a game that interests you much from a betting standpoint, but uh, on Chelsea and Fulham before we sink our teeth into this wonderful slate coming our way this weekend. Right, I was actually looking to play Fulham in this one before Mitrovic got suspended, and which is crazy to say given the regression that they're due for. But there are just a ton of problems with Chelsea right now that Anthony already outlined with all those injuries. If you're just going to be relying on a bomb hitting and have Verts as being your only two guys really in attack, that's a problem. And Chelsea midfield hasn't been able to dominate like they have been in, in, in years past. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a very, very interesting match. And I'm more interested to see, you know, both of these teams have really quick turnarounds. Once we get to Sunday, we'll obviously get to the Chelsea crystal palace and the Fulham Newcastle matches later on here. But this is one I'm very, very interested to see how Chelsea plays because this is a spot like they should win, right? Because they're favored. They should, they're going in. Fulham doesn't have Mitrovic. It's a game they absolutely need all three points. So we'll see. Yeah, the seat is obviously getting a little, little hot for Potter. It just seems like every single day Chelsea is just purchasing somebody new. Uh, so we'll see. You know, Felix is obviously – it's interesting. I The Felix signing is is a little weird to me. Um I agree with anything like long-term. Yeah, I do believe it'll work out given the right system that he has. But, you know, he did kind of struggle at Atletico, but he's somebody, he can't just be an out-and-out number nine, like, striker. He needs to play off of somebody. So we'll see if it works uh, in this type of system. I don't think he's going to play in this match. We might see him against Crystal Palace. But, yeah, I am passing on this one. Don't hate a look at the under, given all of the attacking uh, injuries for both teams. But, again, this full-on defense is so bad. Like, they've allowed the most big scoring chances in the premier league. So uh, that scares me taking it under with them. Yeah. Uh, FB refs got, got uh, Felix at 0.59 XG plus XA per 90 this season. That's seven matches. It's like pretty good. You know, you yeah, I mean, he's, down a he's, a, like, he's got a ton he's of talent. Fine. He's a good striker. It's just, he needs to be in the right system to, to thrive. He's got a good head of hair too. Uh, yes. All right. Let's now go to the weekend. 
like I said, all eight teams in the top eight are playing another team in the top eight, which means we're also getting a lot of you know relegation six pointers. And guess what? That's where we're going to start. We're going to start at Goodison Park, Everton plus one twenty, hosting Southampton plus two forty. The draw here plus two twenty five. These odds and all the odds you're going to hear on the show brought to you by our friends at Bet three six five. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Everton played all right against Manchester United in the FA Cup. They played all right in two out of the last three matches. And what's the uh, common denominator in those two matches? They play with a back five. I don't care if it's Southampton, Frank. Just do it again. Just keep lashing in. Well, his job's safe now, Michael. Yeah, there's his job's safe. The guard, uh, <laughs> Moshiri. just told all the fans Moshiri. to F off and yeah, shut Moshiri, up. Yeah, <laughs> Moshiri clapped back with the letter. Um I don't. I. I mean, I, Everton at plus one twenty is, is is short, man. That's way too short. Yeah. I think uh, it's it. If from a betting standpoint, I mean, you, it's Southampton or nothing. Um, they're coming off a two two nothing win over City in the Carabao Cup. Maybe we'll see some market love for the Saints. I. I. I mean, the market always moves away from Everton before every match. It seems so. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, Wonder it's why. weird. It's weird that that happens. Uh, what do you, What do you think here, BJ? Southampton. I think this is one of the easiest passes on the board. If I had to play anybody, I would play Southampton, who has played, you know, their first couple of Premier League matches under Nathan Jones haven't really been that good. Uh, the The showing against Nottingham Forest was I was actually very disappointed in. Um, it was one of those matches where they're at home. It's a good spot for them, and they really just couldn't. Couldn't get it done against a pretty bad Nottingham Forest defense, but then they went and beat Crystal Palace on the road in the FA Cup, and like you already mentioned, beats a lot of you know City's backups in in the Carabao Cup. But still, I mean, it's still a, a fantastic effort, and I think that what it just comes down to for Southampton is, you know, who's going to control possession in this match, Michael? Because as as I've outlined Hopefully many times, Southampton just uh, Nathan Jones teams do not bus, hold possession at one point in the match against Fulham. I know it's a couple matches ago. Fulham was holding around 70 to 75% possession. They're, they're a very, very direct team. So, um, yeah. So if I'm betting on Everton at plus 120, having to break down a low block and then defend in transition, that is very, very, very scary. So, uh, I am passing on this one. I think that, but if you had to play anything I'd play, it's probably Southampton, nothing who is still, they're still a top 10 team by, you know, expectables allowed. So if they're going to play more compact under Nathan Jones, then um, it's going to be very difficult for Everton to actually uh, create a number of high quality chances here. Uh, Anthony, uh, you've been Everton overs, Everton, both teams to score. Yeses. Uh, is that just going to be something you do to the rest of the season for the rest of the season? And another one here against uh, saints. I will until the market adjusts. I mean, Minus 107, you can find out there on both teams to score. Uh, I will happily play that. This is a desperation spot. I don't think a draw is good enough for either team in this situation. I think both kind of have to go for it. Uh, And typically, you know, relegation six-pointers can be a bit cagey, but like I said, minus 107 on an attack in Southampton that has underperformed both expectations on set pieces they haven't been as good. You'd expect... Southampton to be one of the better set piece taking, uh, you know, teams. They've been really bad. I think there's likely to be some improvement there going forward. Everton's defense continues to be in terrible form. Uh, Southampton also crosses the ball a lot. It's how they get most of their balls in the box. A lot of that was Ralph, but I still think that carries over. It's just generally speaking with the the way that they have kind of uh, not necessarily target forwards, but forwards who uh, aren't really running behind types like a Che Adams. They're, they're like get on the end of a cross type. Uh, and 
Everton doesn't stop crosses. I mean, they're 20th in stopping cross in the penalty area. And I think going to a back three doesn't really help you stop the crosses necessarily either uh, in this situation if the fullbacks are going to get forward up the pitch, which I do expect for this match. So I like the both teams to score. Southampton's a classic. Like the field tilt on them is actually higher than Spurs, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like they do a decent job of keeping teams out of their penalty area. They've been really bad in goal this year. It's definitely hurt them. But Everton have not taken any of their chances. They have been better in attack going at home, though, considerably. Uh, they are over one XG per 90 at home. So give me the both teams to score here. I would lean towards Southampton, too. Originally had that, but uh, missed the good number. The The Toffees were minus or plus 105. I would have probably laid like a minus 120, 125 on the Saints plus a half. But minus 140 now, uh, no interest there. I'm just going to take the both teams to score. And uh, wait for the market to adjust. I mean, that Brighton total sat at two and a half over last week at like plus one hundred four. Mm-hmm. It was five five goals. Uh, yes, pretty deserved of like three or four. So right to Anthony, I, I, that's a really good point that you made about the field tilts, and it happened. It was very very evident today in the Carabao Cup too, because City held over seventy percent possession against Southampton, but the field tilt was only around fifty four percent, and that's something you know that I've already said about Nathan Jones is that they like to press high, like they will force you to to essentially hold a lot of possession in your own final third so uh yeah that's something definitely to look out for especially in this type of match where everton might hold more than like 55 percent possession but southampton might tilt the field on them too all right uh two derbies at the top uh or in that top eight including the north london derby a podcast derby bj's best team, best, best team in the world versus arsenal that's right bj's arsenal uh uh Plus 120 road underdog. I see the road favorite um, against Spurs, plus 210. The draw here is plus 260. Tottenham is 5 1 and 5. One draw loss over their last 11. That's since October 1st. In that span, a plus one goal differential, plus 1.6 expected goal differential. So everything is pointing to what we were trying to tell Anthony all along. This is a mediocre team. They're just not that great. They're just not a top four squad. Given their form, given what it, and I know Spurs is coming off a, a good performance uh, last last time out in the Premier League, but given given their their form and and kind of like just trying to stabilize, I actually think Tottenham's going to come out extremely defensive even at home here, um, and that kind of puts me onto the draw. I think that this is going to be a, a almost like a you know Man City versus a like a lower tables team like one team just sitting real deep digging their whole uh, heels in and and trying to counter and i know that spurs does that but they're you know that's selling short what they were doing when they were at their best so i like to draw here actually plus 260 it's been a while since uh, i've better draw and, and this this match i think it's going to be low event it's going to be one team defending for their lives and the other team trying to break down a team sitting real deep uh a lily white bu- uh, bus at parked at the NFL stadium in London, Anthony Spurs Arsenal. What do you have? As of right now, I've actually not bet anything so far. I'm pulling up the market number now on the total uh, because I am looking toward the under here. I think both attacks have run really well this season. I think both teams have, have uh, vastly overperformed at this point in the season. I mean, you look at some of the Arsenal numbers, Gabriel Jesus underperforming as is tradition. He won't play in this match, but the numbers they're getting from Martinelli and Saka uh, suggest to me that there probably is some regression coming for Arsenal and that I don't think they're going to continue to be an entire goal better than their opponents in the second half of the season. They could, 
And we've seen Arsenal have really good stretches before under Arteta and follow that up with some less good stretches. Uh, But the thing about this matchup, and we saw this in the first match, I don't think much has changed really for either team overall tactically. Arsenal have really improved in transition defense. Last season, Arsenal was roughly 11th in opponent pass completion percentage. So how what percentage of your opponents completing against you? So how well are you disrupting their possession? They were 11th. It's pretty bad. You know, we talked about how Arsenal wasn't like a good pressing team. This year they're up to fourth. So that's a huge step forward for a team that's done much better in transition defense, much better counter pressing. And that's really what happened in the first match. I mean, they dominated uh, the ball. Spurs couldn't really get out of their own half. They had a couple dangerous counters, one of which was led to the penalty, which led to the goal that Spurs didn't really create much else in the match. Uh, no team has allowed more high turnovers. This is from the analyst uh, in the prem than Spurs. And they've allowed the fifth most shots off of those high turnovers forced. So if Spurs aren't going to be the good counterattacking team that we saw of last season, I think there's a real risk that Arsenal kind of just keeps them penned in and that Spurs are in a, in a rough spot here uh, to try to get anything from this. But I also think that Spurs are underrated defensively. I think they've shown some cracks. Larice has been meh, but Overall, I think the defense has improved. You saw that in the Palace match. I thought they defended really well in that match. Conceded, you know, 0.6 XG. But even the attack against Palace, you know, they, they end up scoring four. Kane kind of put the backpack on. Only one and a half expected. Like, every chance went in. And it was more of a collapse from Palace than, like, Spurs really improving all that much, I thought. I wasn't that impressed with the second half. So, I lean toward the under here. I would love it at three. I don't think we're going to get three. Sitting there, 275. Uh two and a half plus money. I may end up getting there by kick, uh, you know, follow me in the app, but I think I'm going to end up sitting out the Derby again, which sucks, but uh, our the Spurs are not giving me much hope to bet them as an underdog, which I had hoped to do coming into uh, the season more. So it's, it's an 1130 kickoff on Sunday, which I'm really interested in where this number goes, because you know, here in the States, these are two really popular sides. This is going to be a, a one of the probably the biggest ratings matches um we'll see on, on NBC Peacock etc so there will be a lot of people getting their betting juices going cuz the NFL starts at 1 p.m. uh the playoffs so there's going to be i think it's just a ton of action on this game relative to what we you'd see in a normal premier league match so i i yeah i'm really interested to see cuz these are two public sides at least here in the states uh BJ what are your thoughts here on the North North London Derby? I'm steering towards both of both you guys. So I'm looking at a both teams to score no, which is currently at plus 135. I think it's uh, we have an inflated both teams to score because it is Arsenal and Tottenham, and it's supposedly two of the best attacks in the Premier League. But to Anthony's point, uh, you know our, our guy Mark Stats, uh, he tracks uh, opponent buildup up completion percentage, which is a good. Uh, indicator of how much how well you're disrupting opponents when they're actually trying to build up rather than just you know whether it be in transition or whatever like that Arsenal's second uh, behind only Liverpool in that category Tottenham's sitting around 14th 13th in that and in the first meeting between Arsenal Arsenal had a 90.3 percent build-up completion percentage and Tottenham's passes per defensive action was 19.5 so the game plan was like you mentioned Michael is park the white bus in front of the 18 yard box and just try and defend for our lives and then look to counter, which is what we've seen a lot from Tottenham this season. I mean, Arsenal had 21, 10 plus pass sequences and held a lot of possession in that match. And I don't to Anthony, like 
to your point, it's like, what's changed since then? Not really much. I'd say Tottenham has probably gotten a little bit worse and Arsenal's kind of improved, I would say, over that time span. Um, you know, the match against Crystal Palace is, is, is a perfect match not to overreact to. Uh, you know, Tottenham created 1.4 expected goals. They just finished at a very high rate. The match got open. They were able to convert a couple of their chances. Um, but, I mean, this Arsenal defense is still incredible. I mean, they are one of the best set-piece defenses in the Premier League, which is big. They've only conceded one set-piece goal, and they're only around three and change expected, which is big because Spurs obviously leads the Premier League in set-piece goals, and it's where they create a lot of their chances. And on the flip side of that, you know, Tottenham is a really, really good defense. I mean, they, they're they allowing just close under one, a little over one expected goal per 90 minutes right now. They have one of the lowest XG per shots in the Premier League. They're very, very good at defending set pieces, which is big against Arsenal, who actually is number one in XG per set piece. So I think the the, the script here is going to be like you guys said. Tottenham's going to sit very deep, and they're going to look to counter but I'm not so sure they're going to be able to do that against Arsenal. So uh, that steers me towards this both teams to score. No. Whereas we're going to see sort of a stalemate for about the first 45 minutes here. uh, And we're basically going to be relying on Arsenal or Tottenham to convert some low quality chances. Cause I don't really see a path for Tottenham creating over one expected goal here. um, Unless they break, get a couple big scoring chances, which I, Again, the only big scoring chance that happened against Newcastle for Arsenal was was off a corner. So uh, we'll see. But again, I think this is setting up. I I'm very cautious because I really want to just say Arsenal is going to smack them because I really <laughs> think they are. But uh, I'm being very cautiously optimistic because uh, I know how these things work. Uh, as soon as I think uh, Arsenal is going to be better than Tottenham, Harry Kane scores two goals from outside the box, and then Hyunmin Son you know, scores another one from outside the box and throws his mask at the ground. So uh, I'm going to steer clear of that. But yeah, both teams score no, I think is is pretty inflated here at plus 135. So that's where I'm going with this one. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, home teams have just dominated this rivalry. And, and like, I don't really care that much about like past history, but it is, I mean, it is interesting that, you know, Arsenal haven't won at Spurs since 2014. Yeah, they play every year. Arsenal so has sucked on the road though for so many years in the Premier League, and, and, and so. they have not been a great away team. But they've also like Arsenal haven't lost to Spurs at home since 2010. So like it has been a, just a rivalry, a, a derby dominated by the home team. And I do expect a much better effort and and uh, showing from Spurs in this match. I I wouldn't, you know, I think the market's about right. I mean, there was a. Arsenal got to minus 105 a couple weeks ago, and I looked at it and I was like, I have value on Tottenham here. Like I need to pet Spurs, but I didn't, uh, and I'm glad now that it's come back because I can pass on the side and roll with what will likely end up being an under by a kick. Yeah, and we'll see because you know Kulusevski and Charleston are both questionable right now. Like if they play that, that if that if they play, that's massive for Spurs, uh, especially because you know Charleston played in the first meeting. If they both don't play, then it's you know it's a lot more Harry Kane, Hyunmin Son, and I don't really. It's going to be very difficult trying to progress the ball up the field against Arsenal. Look at the table real quick before we go to our next game because it is relevant. Arsenal, uh, they're at the top, 44 points on 17 matches played. City's five points behind them, 39 on 17. Newcastle and United both on 35. Tottenham at 33. Uh, Manchester United's played 17. Newcastle and Tottenham have both played one more than that. United are plus 350, hosting City, minus 125. The draw is plus 260. Of course, these odds are from Bet365 for the Manchester Derby. 
here are their numbers since October 1st. Man United, 7-2-2, two, and two, win, draw, loss. 19 goals for, 12 goals against. 20.6 expected goals for, 11.1 expected goals against. City's 7-1-2, and two, so 7 wins, 1 draw, 2 losses. 22 goals for, 10 goals against. 21.5 expected goals for, 10.3 expected goals against. I, I know, yeah, United's played one more match in that span, but the numbers just aren't all that different. And City's coming off another weird performance. We we've said it every season about or you know in our two seasons that like City just will you know they'll throw up a dud now and then and 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 we really meant now and then like very very rarely like you'll you'll get a weird City performance maybe they'll do one in the group stage of the the Champions League one in the first half of the Premier League season then one in the second but they seem more prevalent now and they just drew Everton at home and then they lost to Southampton in the Carabao Cup albeit with uh you know some some really good players on the bench. I think it's United or nothing here at home in good form. This is a big one for them. The price is plus 350. I wish it was a little higher, but it would be United or nothing. Uh, BJ, you started to sound like you were coming around on the Red Devils and you're just going to put the handbrake on that. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, listen, United's been on a tear lately, Michael. 9.1 expected goals in their last four matches. Here's the murderer's row they've played. Fulham. Nottingham Forest, Wolves, and Bournemouth. The previous five matches before that, they had to play some difficult competition. Newcastle, Tottenham, Chelsea, West Ham, and Aston Villa created just 4.8 expected goals in those five matches. City is going to be a completely different animal for Manchester United, just like they were in their meeting on, on October 2nd. City demolished Manchester United in that match. And I'm, asked, I'm sitting here asking myself, what has changed so drastically where I should be looking at betting Manchester United. And I'm saying really not much. I mean, obviously, because here's the thing is that if we go back to that, go back in time, United, we were in the exact same scenario where United was coming off four straight wins. Everything was looking good. They had beaten Liverpool at home. They had beaten Arsenal at home. Things were good under Eric Ten Hag, And then Pep just absolutely demolished them. They scored six goals, all of them off crosses. And here's the big, big problem. And a little bit of what City did against Chelsea in the, the, the league match, as opposed to the FA Cup, is Pep went with a completely different formation. And he started to create overloads on the left side of the pitch, but he wanted to build up from the right. So he would push Holland, Bernardo Silva, and Foden over to the left to force Chelsea to commit bodies over there. And then he'd leave. De Bruyne, Mares, and Cancelo on the right and essentially have 3v3s or, or 3v2s and allow them to get space and just cross the ball into the box because City, their attacking players are some of the best in the world at finding that half space in the box or making those runs to be able to get on the end of those chances, whether it be Holland, whether it be Foden or whoever. United really struggled defending that in, in the last meeting because now they have Casemiro, and that's wonderful. And he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, and he's really solved Manchester United's transition defensive problems. But guys like Aronson, Fernandes, Rashford, Anthony, they're not good at defending those half spaces. They're not good at pressing. So if they're going to get pinned in for a majority of the match like they were the last time, I have a hard time seeing if the city's going to have so many of these opportunities to cross the ball in or find that half space with these average to below average defenders trying to defend some of these attacking midfielders, it's a big problem. If you go back and watch the highlights, the first two goals, 
It came off of Erickson, just not following a Foden run. The second goal came off a corner where Erickson once again just lost Holland uh, through the through the bodies and didn't really commit to it because he's just not a good defender. I mean, he's more of an attacking uh, attacking midfielder. So we'll see. We'll see if Ten Hag goes with a little bit different in the lineup. Maybe he goes with two defensive midfielders, which I think would be uh, a big time benefit for him. So I had to sit and ask myself, I'm like, why am I staying away from City here? Like, I think this is going to be another City route. I think United hasn't faced good competition in a really, really, really long time. And they're going to get their doors blown off once again. So I love Manchester City on the money line, minus 125. I actually don't really project much value on it, but you just got to do it. After watching the match, I'm like, I'm like, like, what's going to change? And I don't think much. Before the next show, I think I have have some space over my shoulder. I think I'm going to get a sign that says, it has been X days since BJ (laughs) last bet against Manchester United. And then, no, under that, it should be. It has been X days since BJ won a bet One, against exactly. Manchester United. <laughs> and they'll be yeah. the same number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, uh, this is, I mean, I I think the match is like from just a straight up projection standpoint, the match is priced a little bit correctly. But from a matchup standpoint, I just don't see how United is going to defend all of City's attackers in space as we've seen from the previous meetings with them. So yeah, I'm all over City here. I like it. No, I, I, I think, I, I, you know, BJ, I like when, when when you start to uh when you go on a tangent when it gets going <laughs> no but when also when you, when you take your your numbers you look at them and you get mad at them i think you were mad at your numbers i was for you, not know, having you know what it was michael it was like okay because united if you look through their xg results they've created over two expected goals in their last four matches against you know murderers row like i already mentioned and we're at the point in the season now where pretty much everybody's played everybody once so strength of schedule is kind of uh muted or pretty much the same for everybody so i'm sitting here and i'm being like united is just getting overvalued here because they just went on this crazy run and again i've said it on many times on on the podcast but i i mean rashford and martial is are they really the best you know an elite striking duo that puts the fear of god into opposing defenses i don't think so yeah i agree with that i think rashford's running really really well right now he's been hot he's been one of the best players in the league uh, and probably some regression coming there. I mean, they're not getting anything out of Anthony. I mean, uh, I hate to be like bust, but I'm not getting anything out of Anthony in terms of uh, shots. Like all of his shots are just bad shots. Uh, and Martial's fine. I don't think he's great. And I think United, we haven't seen the transition United as much lately. I think it's very interesting to see how that looks in this me- in this setup against City, who uh, in the opposite of Arsenal has actually taken a step back in their ability to disrupt teams. Like they were used to be second behind Liverpool in opponent pass completion percentage. Now they're down to about seventh. That's so interesting. You know, they're letting teams have the ball more. They're not pressing as much. Uh, Holland doesn't do a ton of pressing from the front and and like Jesus and Sterling were pressers. So I think that's like the main difference, but uh, from a matchup point of view, from a number point of view, rather, I actually think this is a little bit inflated on city. I have city minus one Oh nine. So that means I have United, you know, plus one hundred and nine to get a result in this match, which is right at right right in line with the market. So I think City's a little overinflated. I don't really have a ton on United either, though. So I'm not really going there. This is implying United's barely better than Chelsea. I mean, we just saw this match. City went to Chelsea last week, it was like minus one hundred and forty. I think United's clearly better than Chelsea at the moment. Uh, but I agree with BJ. I mean, he mentioned the the teams they've faced in the last three or four matches, really since the World Cup break. You know, you get the three in the league with Forest, Bournemouth. Don't say it. Wolves. It's not going to get any better than that. But then they get a cup match against Everton. <laughs> yeah. 
And then they get a, another cup match against Charlton. I mean, you're not going to get a better run than that. And so I do think United has done really well and everybody's high on United, uh, but they have not faced a good defense in the last, since the world cup, they have not faced a team that you would consider an above average defense in the prem. Now they're going to face the best defense in the prem in city. So I think there's regression coming there. And, and like the city attack, I mean, they're just not getting the shot numbers they were getting last year either. Their shots are way down. Yes. Holland is Holland and betting against that man is, is asking for a death sentence, but I do it regularly and I'm happy to bet against both of these attacks and bet the under three, you can find a minus minus one twenty seven. Minus 130s are out there. I'm willing to lay a little bit of juice here. I know there was nine goals in the first meeting, uh, but if you go back and look, I think this is kind of similar to the Chelsea match where United is struggling to get shots, but they've been so improved defensively. That's the biggest thing. I mean, they did concede uh, to, to Everton in the cup, but in the league, even against the so-called better teams that they faced, they were conceding you know, less than one expected goal uh, to Villa, even though, you know, they did uh, lose that match. Uh, less than one to Forrest, less than one to Bournemouth. You can even go back to the Spurs match, to the Chelsea match. Like, they've taken clear steps forward in defense, and I think that will help them mitigate this matchup. Whereas I think when they played early in the season, there was not the improved defense set in place yet for United. So I'm like the under again, and uh, wish me luck. And by the way, just real quick, United's upcoming schedule. They've got Palace next Wednesday in a makeup match. Then they got an EFL Cup match at Forest. Uh, and then they're going to Arsenal, who is sitting there at minus 110 right now, just for everybody out there. All right, PJ. I don't know what you're trying to say there, but uh, we'll move I'm on. To say we'll move more. on there to Brighton <laughs> and Liverpool. Brighton's plus 240. Oh. Liverpool's plus 110. The draw here what a is weekend. plus 260. What a weekend. I don't even know if we need to discuss this at all. I because know. If you've been so, listening, it's so if you're easy. new to this, if you're new to this podcast, here's a spoiler. All three of us are going to be on Brighton. If you're old to this podcast, you know exactly what we're going to say. Bet Brighton here. The Seagulls are 4-2-5 and five under Deserby in the Premier League. Plus one goal differential in that time. 21 goals scored. Crazy. 20 goals. They're, in, they're so 18. good. 18.3 goals. Uh, expected goals for 16 Point five expected goals allowed. That is the key here. They're an offensive dynamo, and mm-hmm. they're going to be playing a really pedestrian by their standards defense that's missing Virgil Van Dyke. I don't really think you need Definitely to go much further. Standard. Yeah, I don't really need to to go much further than that. So I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, it's going to be funny. I I mean I I would love to see Jurgen Klopp just set up park the bus uh he has to yeah like what else like like, literally that's what he has to do if he wants any chance of keeping brighton off the board like i'm dead serious like this is insane uh so liverpool that that they're not going to do that i know i know they're not going to do that but anthony i mean you know this you've seen what brighton has been able to do i mean they did it under zerby's first match uh, in charge against liverpool they completely went right through the middle of the pitch they beat him on the wings they beat him everywhere and if Liverpool, okay, here's the big thing with Liverpool. And it's like, all right, what's the, everybody says, what's the problem with Liverpool right now? Why are they so bad defensively? Why aren't they playing like the Liverpool that we've seen the past two years? They're not being able to run people over in the midfield anymore. And so they, they're just old. And then something Anthony said had been, you know, uh, a couple of podcasts ago is that Jordan Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho, they're just getting old and they just can't cover ground like they used to. And I read a wonderful article in uh, The Analyst. I, I apologize. I, I don't remember the name of the author who uh, wrote it, but 
Liverpool, essentially what they're doing right now is that Darwin Nunez is typically on an island up front as a nine. And, you know, Salah and whoever's playing on the left usually like to push wide to, you know, push the defense out, create space in the middle so that they can make runs into the box. Well, right now, Liverpool is having to play a midfield, usually of uh, Fabinho, Thiago, and uh, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott's just not a guy who's going to make runs in the box. He's much more of a ball carrier, creator, somebody who's going to get the ball on to Darwin Nunez, Salah, whoever, which means Thiago or Fabinho or Jordan Henderson, whatever combination is playing of the other two midfield spots, they're the ones having to make runs into the box, which once Liverpool loses the ball, they are incredibly exposed in transition defense. And like you guys already mentioned, someone like Virgil van Dijk in the past has cleaned up a lot of that, a lot of that mess. Well, now they don't have him. Obviously I think Ibrahim Kanate is, is a fine replacement. Like this is, I, I'm not going to overreact to Virgil van Dijk being out. It might, that's my point is that it might be an upgrade because if we, because you, what you'll see a lot is people being like, Oh my gosh, this is what Liverpool was defensively in 2021 when van Dijk was out. Matip and Joe Gomez were also out that almost that entire season. And now we're in a situation where Van Dyke's out and that's it. So I don't think Liverpool's defense is really going to like completely drop off, but they have still been pretty bad. And this is something that we've been mentioning is that Liverpool's 10th and non-penalty expected goals allowed. Like they're 11th in big scoring chances allowed. And Allison is still running ridiculously hot. He's a plus nine post shot XG plus minus. And if we go back to the first match, where it was a 3-3, just chaotic draw between Brighton and Liverpool. Brighton went up two goals early, and it, what it was is they forced a couple high turnovers. They're obviously a very good pressing team. And if you have problems in the midfield, Brighton is not the team you want to face because Brighton can play right through the middle of the pitch. They can play out wide. Mitoma has become like literally the best ball carrier in the Premier League by all the metrics that everybody sees. He's going to be going against Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's a terrible defender. So... There's so many problems here for Liverpool. I really, really question how they're going to defend Brighton. Now, obviously, Deserby has been playing very open, which obviously leads to these chaotic matches, but I don't see how Liverpool is going to keep Brighton out of the net. So, and just from a price point standpoint, Arsenal is plus 115, like what, uh, a week and a half ago at Brighton? And now Liverpool's plus 105. So the market's telling you, even with all the injuries, oh, by the way, Diego Jota, Luis Diaz, probably Bobby Firmino are going to be out all still going to be out for this match. Like this is an insane price. So obviously we're all going to be betting Brighton. I'm thinking Brighton over one and a half goals. I'm thinking Brighton reverse puck line. I'm thinking Brighton money line. And obviously Brighton plus a half you might want to same game probably like that, but yeah, anyway, you want to bet Brighton. This is, I feel very similar to this spot as I did when United went to Brentford, when Chelsea went to Brighton, when Chelsea went to Brentford, essentially it's just Brighton or Brentford whenever they get one of the big six teams that's on a, a bad run. Like these are the spots you absolutely dream of if you bet the Premier League. So yes, we will all be on Brighton. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the most fun I've had all year in the Prem was probably that Brentford-Liverpool game. Uh, victory lap time. Like we talked about transition issues. We talked about set piece issues for Liverpool defensively. All came to bear in the first half against Brentford. And then, you know, FanDuel forgot that Ivan Tony was out and didn't alter the anytime goal scorers on Wisa and Mbuemu. So it ended up being a, a very fun afternoon. And of course, it's always fun when Liverpool goes down, despite VAR's attempts to save them. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, we don't have to repeat all this. I think Arsenal is marginally better than Liverpool. Liverpool's a better price here, similar price than the Arsenal was at Brighton two weeks ago. Mitoma, you mentioned him third in the prem in successful dribbles per 90. 
amongst players with at least Trent five Arnold. Him and selling Marsh yes. overlaps. It's going to be great. Yes. And and that's the thing. Like, Matoma's awesome and another W for the Brighton scouting department. Uh, but yeah, the goals, they, they don't do as well on set pieces. So, like, that's not as quite a, much of a, an advantage. But I mean, this is, I love a lot of unders in the Prem right now. I think all these teams have run really well. These are two teams where I will not touch an under at the current number. I almost like the over BTTS over two and a half has been like the cash cow of cash cows under Zerby. Um, you know, you want to keep riding that. I don't hate it either, but yeah, I like uh, Brighton. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right, uh, on to Leeds and Aston Villa. This one's at Villa Park. Villa, odds on, minus 110, hosting Leeds, uh, three to one. The draw is plus 260. Uh, we know Jesse Marsh's Leeds are uh, defensive disasters, even though Anthony won't admit it. Um, and they're Fine. taking on they're taking on Unai Emery, uh, one of the best managers you'll ever see. Um in, in, in any sport, really, he could. If 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 one of these NFL teams wanted to just hire Unai Emery, they, they'd automatic they'd win their wild card game, even if they were the underdog. I don't. Who's the big underdog this week? The Dolphins. The Dolphins could could hire this guy, and and he he'd have them set up to beat the Patriots or whoever they're playing. Uh, the the villains, like I said, they're odds on. Emery's got them. It looks like they're playing better. They're they're creating more offensively, uh, which is it's fun to say after Steven Gerrard, Anthony's boy, just. Yeah, he's going to be Poland be, manager, yeah, the by new, the way. He's going to manage Poland. And he's going to manage <laughs> Matty Cash, to, which is great. Uh, but I'm going to have to start fading Poland again. Um, what? Gerard just... Yeah, thought, I mean, they just stink. They, he thought you could win soccer matches by not scoring. Um, didn't work. I, I actually think Villa are a little inflated here. Uh, maybe it's the Leeds being a little underrated. If, if this match was played on the other side of the World Cup break... I, and. I know like there's a lot to talk about there because of the manager change or whatever. Uh, I don't think it'd be this high. So it, it would be leads here for me. I think I'm going to bet them. Uh, I'm just going to see where this goes. I know you guys don't have much. So I'll just go quickly to you, Anthony, before we move on uh, your thoughts here on Leeds and Villa. I mean, this is like the, the bundo bowl. <laughs> the two teams I loved coming into the year for various different reasons. Uh one of which has been kind of in line with expect. I think both have largely been in line after with expectations after Villa was below them with Gerard, and now they've kind of regressed back. But uh, yeah, I, I have the market right in line here. I didn't bet the first time these two teams played. I'm not betting this one either. This is the, probably the easiest pass on the board for me. All right, uh, BJ, you're also passing, so we can move on to Villa. Did just lose Stevenage. In the, I, uh, yeah, we don't. Know. That was a wild finish. We don't need Absolutely to. We don't wild. need to talk Two goals about the stoppage time. We don't need to talk about the FA. Yeah, Cup. Caribou yeah. Cup, FA Cup stuff is is so hard with, especially with the the fixtures just piling up after the World Cup. I I kind of feel for these teams. Uh, Forest and Leicester, little derby up there in the Midlands. Uh, Nottingham Forest is plus one seventy five at the City Ground, hosting Leicester plus one sixty. Another relegation six pointer here, Anthony. The draw is plus two thirty. Quickly run through it. Uh, Saints at the bottom of the table, Southampton, they're on 12 points. Wolves, 19th at 14 points. Everton and West Ham are tied at 15 points. Everton in 18th on goal differential. Bournemouth at 16, then Forest leads and Leicester on 17. So 
two teams here on 17 points, two teams that a win is a huge result for either side, just a huge result to put some uh, true kind of cushion between them and the drop zone, depending on the results. Nottingham Forest is three wins, four draws, four losses in their last 11 games. Three wins and four draws. They 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 got results in seven out of 11. They've scored seven goals. They've got a minus 10 goal differential in that span. Something's coming for them. And we just keep talking about how we've been waiting. You know, we want to bet against this Leicester team every, every chance we can. Uh, but this is not one of those spots. I actually would look at Leicester here more than more than Forest, which is you know saying something because I, I I like this Forest team. So so I'm gonna be passing. Anthony, what do you have? Uh, this is so. I was looking at the market during the Boxing Day, right after Boxing Day, and I was just like looking at look ahead lines on on other books and and at Bet three six five, of course, and Forest was like a huge underdog here. They were plus one thirty on the draw no bet line. And I was like, I don't care what happens in the next week and a half. There's no way that number's right. Uh, so if you follow me in the app, like I grabbed Forest early, the market has come heavy, heavy Forest, and the market likes Forest. I mean, they got steam against Wolves today. Uh, they took some money, uh, and they've taken a ton of money in this game. Leicester just isn't a good attack at all. I mean, they have not been good. The regression is coming. They're not uh, getting close in shots. The, the high quality looks in front of goal have not been their strong suit. And now they're dealing with a bunch of injuries with Madison being out. Uh, it's hard to make the case. And, and look, Forrest has gotten their, their butts kicked many times in this league. But when they're at home, like they have been a solid team who's given good good effort, good fight at the city ground. So it's Forrest to nothing now at the current number, but you're laying minus 110 on the draw no bet. I think Leicester is marginally better. They're on the road. So like now I think the number is right. Uh, but this is a classic example of like the number does matter as much as we talk about like regression and and who's overrated, who's underrated relative to the market. Uh, the market is starting to hate Lester, uh, and I am starting to not be able to bet against them at the current number. So it's a pass here. Uh, BJ, what do you have? Both teams to score no, plus 115. Uh, if you remember this match, uh, the previous between these two, it was really dumb. Uh, Lester scored three goals from outside the box. They had created 1.3 expected. Two of those goals came from James Madison, who, like Anthony already mentioned, is going to be out for this match. He leads Lester in goals, seven goals, up 2.6 expected. And to Anthony's point, yeah, I mean, Lester, we say it time and time again, like they have one of the longest average shot distances distances in the Premier League. They don't create a lot of high-quality chances. So they're going up against another 3-5-2 low block. But the flip side of that is Forrest. You know, the market's obviously come down on them, so you can't bet them. But also, they're probably going to be without Awanawi, Morgan Gibbs-White, and Jesse Lingard. Like, Awanawi and Gibbs-White are their two highest XG plus expected assists per 90-minute guys. So being without two of their best attackers, even though this lesser defense has not been good, uh, I find it very, very hard to see how these two teams are actually going to create a lot of high quality chances. So for both teams to score, no, that's, that's sitting at plus plus one fifteen. I think that's a really good price. Uh, so that's what I'll be playing. All right. We'll head to uh, the black country, but we'll stay in the relegation fight. West Ham visiting wolves at the Molyneux Wolverhampton plus plus one sixty two. West Ham plus plus one seventy. The draws. This is Anthony. This is both teams to score. Come on. I know, <laughs> I know you want to do it. I, I do. know you want to bet it so bad. This I is, bet it last time right up Diego Costa scored and I went crazy and then they threw up the flag and I was like, nope, they're never scoring. But yes, this is the spot. I mean, of all spots, West Ham incredibly up against the wall here. I just think the tactics for these teams kind of just cancel each other out. I mean, Wolves doesn't want to do anything with the ball. 
West Ham will let Wolves have the ball and do nothing with it. They're super passive out, out of possession, but like they can't draw, right? Like Moyes is not going to save his job with a bunch of draws. Uh, they, yeah, they He's had a, tried uh, over his entire career to do that, Anthony. Yeah. And I just don't know if it's enough anymore. That's the question. Do they have <laughs> to go for this? Because if they have to go for it, I love both teams to score. I think that it's undervalued a little bit. Uh, you know, they get the draw with leads. They were pushing at the end. West Ham was so like, you know, give them credit for that. But yeah, this is a both teams to score spot for me on on West Ham and Wolves. And it's just a classic Wolves over. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a classic <laughs> Wolves bet, over. We, we bet. Hey, two, two goals should have been three against Liverpool in the FA Cup. I had both teams to score. And I don't know oh, if you oh. saw the first goal. I didn't. Allison, insane screw up. Just kicked it right to, I don't even know who it was for Wolves. but Oh, yeah, I saw that. Empty net tap in immediately Wait, after. Uh, I got the goal alert that it was 1-0. And I was like, like both teams of scores loot now. Like we got the Wolves goal. And then I, I saw that somebody sent me the video and all I could do was cackle because Allison has cost me so much money over the years, over the last year, because of just godlike ability and one-on-ones. And to get some back on this Liverpool, just, 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 just win money fading this Liverpool defense all year has just been beautiful. But yeah, both teams to score here, uh, you know, minus 110, 115s are out there. Mm, going to be hard to keep me off it. We'll I'm betting all totals this weekend, so it's going to go really, really poorly. <laughs> I can't win totals in this league, so uh, uh, let's let's flip to Sunday. Uh, we'll head to London. Uh, like we said, Chelsea is playing on Thursday, and then they're playing again Sunday. They're hosting Crystal Palace. Chelsea is minus one sixty three. Uh, Palace plus four twenty five. The draw is three to one. Palace is in bad form. They have one win out of their last four. They've lost three in that span. Two goals scored, eight goals allowed. Obviously, a lot of that is coming from Tottenham. Uh, and three expected goals created, 5.6 allowed. All that looks bad. But you just can't make Chelsea minus 163 against this team right now, I don't think. Even at home. Even at home. I know Palace has not been good, but like we know... You just it's one of those things where the numbers look ugly and you're just like this team is better than that. We saw it over a full season. We st- we saw it and and they they've they've got the people the players who could score. Chelsea's dealing with an absolute onslaught of injuries. They don't look settled under Potter. It's a good spot. Short rest. This is yeah. a good spot. So uh Palace at better than four to one BJ. Don't shake your head. No, I, I will probably end up being on Palace in this one, but the numbers come down. I mean, Chelsea opened at minus 215, and now we're down to minus That's why we That's why we need it Chelsea is, to, to storm Fulham I, on exactly. Thursday. Exactly. And not have that. So this match, yeah, this match and the, the next one we'll talk about, which is you know Fulham and, and Newcastle, I'm going to have this Chelsea-Crystal Palace match, the odds for it at Bet365, and the Newcastle-Fulham one open based on just whatever happens in that match because – I think the market's going to move pretty drastically. Like if Fulham just somehow absolutely pace Chelsea, then we're probably going to get a better number on Newcastle. But anyway, yeah, it's just, man, it just keeps, I keep saying it. I said it a couple podcasts ago. It's like, what's wrong with the, the Crystal Palace defense? Cause just like everything you look at, like every metric, they're just like 15th or 16th. It's that they just allow a ton of expected goals to the big six. And it happened. I mean, they obviously didn't allow a ton of expected goals, but they just were not good defensively. Uh, against Tottenham so I'm gonna wait I'll, I'll see what happens when we get there uh we'll see what happens with the Chelsea injury situation like if, if everybody's still out 
it's going to be hard to keep me off palace. So I will yeah. probably be there with you. Uh, this match is pretty, you know, the last time these two teams faced, it was pretty dead. Like palace scored right away. Uh, and then they tried to defend for their lives and they couldn't, uh, and Chelsea ended up winning two, one, but again, that was, I think Potter's what second match in charge, uh, of, of Chelsea. So yeah, no, I'll probably end up being on crystal palace, but man, it's, it's getting hard to play play the Eagles right yeah. now. Connor uh, Gallagher hit like an 89th minute. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, right that's what it top was. Corner, just, yeah. Yeah, just, just, I mean, it, it, like, but it was an even game and like Chelsea didn't create anything that was at Selhurst Park. But I mean, how is Chelsea getting margin right now? That's the thing. I mean, they have to win by more than a goal to, to cost us our bets. Uh, not Michael's bet, but to win our bet, my bet, my cowardly plus one that I'm probably going to end up being on. I won't bet anything until we see how they look against Fulham. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in, in kind of following up the Felix news here. Could uh, Raz be back? Raheem Sterling for Sunday. Looks like maybe we'll know more as we go forward. But yeah, it'd be Palace or nothing here. Uh, Newcastle, minus 188. Hosting Fulham, who's playing Chelsea on Thursday. Fulham's 5-1 to one for this one. The draw is plus 333. I think Newcastle is a okay parlay piece, actually. Um, this is talk- cheap. Yeah, I'll talk about them with with a with another team that we haven't got to yet uh, as maybe the, the the square parlay uh of the week uh it's Newcastle's numbers are on par with the best teams in the league over the past 3 months so what 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 would we see this number if 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 you covered up the name and you just slapped Liverpool next to you know Newcastle's numbers what what would this number be? So it is a little cheap, I think. Um so yeah, it'd be like a Newcastle parlay with 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 another team. Uh BJ. I do, do like I do like Newcastle minus one here at minus one twenty. Uh I mean, we've already talked about Fulham Mont, how big of their aggression is. And the big thing about Fulham as well is like they've had a ton of penalty luck. Like they've been awarded five penalties. That's second most in the Premier League, the only West Ham. So if you take away all of those penalties, they're actually at a minus 10.4 non-penalty expected goal differential. Uh, that's third worst in the Premier League behind Bournemouth and uh, the jersey of the team that Michael's wearing right now. Um, so now we're getting a price here of, of Newcastle at minus 175, when in the past, when they've gone to face Tottenham, Tottenham's been minus 250. When they've gone to face Arsenal, Arsenal's been minus 280. I'm not saying that necessarily Newcastle's on the level of Arsenal, but for a price like this to be this cheap on Newcastle, I think this is the spot. I've been looking for a spot to fade this freaking Fulham team forever. And I, I tried to do it in the FA Cup with Hull City, and I got a nice 94th-minute winner from Dan James to ruin a plus one. But Alexander Mitrovic will be back. Obviously, they're going to just try to, send it, to look to counter and send it a bunch of crosses. Newcastle is a top-seven team at defending crosses. And Newcastle is also one of the best teams at disrupting build-up play and direct play in transition. So, and the big thing here with Newcastle is they're fully healthy. Alexander Ishak's gonna be back. No more Chris Wood. So obviously a major, major upgrade up front for Newcastle. The last time these two teams met, Fulham got a red card in the eighth minute. So there's really just nothing you can take away from the match. I mean, Fulham scored four goals, created 3.3, but again, you can't really take away anything from that. But I mean, Fulham's the second worst defense in the Premier League. Like uh, they're good. I don't know. Yeah. I, we did a we did a point total draft at the beginning of the season. They have uh, conceded. And Alan Shapiro 30... of the L FPL pod took Fulham under 37 and a half, which is probably gonna be the first bet to lose. <laughs> they have oh my my Newcastle under is gonna be right behind him. Um 
the Fulham has conceded 33 big scoring chances in 18 matches. 11.5 expected goals uh, expected goals allowed in their last seven Premier League matches. They've only allowed seven goals. So maybe Burn Lano is just the best goalkeeper in the world. And Arsenal should have kept him. But uh, no, uh, Newcastle minus one, minus 120. I actually do project Newcastle at minus 250. I think it's kind of crazy that they're just sitting this low when we've looked at comparative prices of other big six clubs who have hosted Fulham. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's too cheap. So with a fully full strength, Newcastle team, Fulham obviously on short rest, playing in London, having to travel all the way up to the Northeast. If you've ever been to England, it's a haul to get all the way up there to Newcastle. So uh, yes, Newcastle minus one and minus 120 for me. All right. uh, Finally, let's talk about Bournemouth and Brentford. This one will be at the Brentford Community Stadium. Brentford is minus 154 right now. Bet 365. Bournemouth plus 425. The draw is 3-1. to one. Uh, This is a Saturday game. I think uh, Brentford, and we talk about Brentford not being the, a great team as a favorite, not a team you want to really lay this kind of juice against, but I don't mind doing it in this case because they're playing a team that just shouldn't be able to score. So it's or can can Brentford get, get one and at home? I think they can. Uh, can Brentford get two? Then you then you basically can can kick your feet up. So I actually like Brentford Newcastle parlayed uh, on the money line, and that's where I'll be going, even without Ivan Tony. Is he is he is he for sure out of this one? Well, he, he is injured. Yeah, he's, so he's kind of he's questionable for injury reasons. Yeah. Uh, it's unclear if he's going to play. Can he keep appealing if he's injured? <laughs> yeah, he can't yeah, look, injured Tony player. or not, I do think this line this totals inflated. I like the under. Bournemouth can't score. I'll have more in-depth analysis on the Action Network website that'll be up uh, Friday. Uh, I'm doing a full preview for this match. I bet the under a few weeks ago. Still love the under, plus 110, plus 105. Uh, I just think this is the perfect time to play against the Bees. And Bournemouth does one thing well. It's defense set pieces. So that's a, that takes away a major avenue of Brentford dominance uh, and attack and creating chances. So I like the, uh, the under again. Oh, gosh. Uh, anything for you here, BJ? Before we, yeah, I'm with you. I like I like Brentford. I think there's yeah. uh, like I project them at minus one ninety. So I think there is a decent projection edge here. If you can find a minus one fifty five out there, the last time these two faced off, I mean, Brentford did an outstanding job defending their penalty area. Bournemouth did pretty much nothing uh, offensively. Only point four expected goals. Didn't have a shot on target. Brentford was able to control a lot of possession. Did a lot of great progression uh, and build up play. Just really couldn't find the back of the net. Um, yeah, so this is another good spot for them. Even if Ivan Tony is out, I keep saying it, my guy, Keen Lewis Potter, I think he's going to be one of the names to watch in this one. He might be the one playing up front for Brentford. They also just signed, I'm spacing on his name right now, from Freiburg. I'll, after this, I'll, I'll be kicking myself in the name, but he might be uh, coming in here in a few matches to to maybe provide Provide a little help here up front if, if Tony is actually going to be out. So we'll see. But yeah, I do actually project a little bit of value here on Brentford. They obviously play much better at home than they do on the road. They actually have played pretty well against lesser competition this season. So give me the bees, minus 155 at home. Okay, uh, let's run around Europe really quick before we talk about our favorite underdogs and then our best bet in the Premier League. Um, we'll start in Italy. Uh, we'll start with you, Anthony. Yeah, let's make it the weekly Roma bet at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love them at home against Fiorentina. The market's saying that Roma's only slightly better than Fiorentina. I think they're much better. Got them better by about 0. 0.7 goals. Uh, make them around minus 130 here, minus 135. 
So I like Roma at even money at home. I know they're not necessarily a great favorite. They don't get margin, but I'm riding the high off of that miracle comeback against Milan to get oh. the point. Miracle. Uh, Absolute miracle. And I will donate this uh, those winnings to Roma Moneyline on the weekend. Uh, BJ, what do you have for us in Syria? I like Udinese, even money against Bologna. Like, if you look at the expected goals table, these two teams, there's really not much between them. You know, Udinese is yeah, about a plus one expected goal differential. Bologna is at minus 4.5. But Udinese is a team that started out just red hot in the, in uh, in Syria. I think they won around seven or eight matches in a row. Um, they've kind of cooled off a little bit, a lot of draws, a lot. They've kind of been overvalued in the market, but I think this is a good spot for them because Bologna, just a very, very below average team is going to be without, they have two midfielders suspended. Musa Barrow, one of their best attackers is going to be out. Joshua Zerkizi, uh, another good striker that they have that plays behind, um, are excuse me. Uh, I'm just blanking on his name, uh, is also going to be out for this one. So, very, very muted attack here from Bologna. That was already below average to begin with. Uh, so a good spot here for Udinese at home. Project them around minus 130. So I like the price at plus 100. Uh, La Liga. No surprise here. I like Bilbao. They're, they're plus 210 at Real Sociedad. Uh, Bilbao still the best defensive team in uh, Spain by expected goals allowed. And they're six points adrift of Sociedad uh, in the table. But you look at their expected goal differential, it's nearly five uh, goals better. Uh, this, is, this is a great underdog team, great underdog spot. So give me Los Leones, plus 210. Anthony, Spain. Yeah, I mean, if you took the names off of the jerseys and just looked at the underlying numbers between uh, Girona and Sevilla, you would have a vastly different perception of these two teams. I mean, Girona's attack's been really good. They added Tati Castellanos from NYCFC, and they're actually in the top half of the table getting more shots per 90 than Sociedad, Celta Vigo, Villarreal, and Osasuna, and of course their opponent in this match, Sevilla. So they're a much better attacking team, and Sevilla hasn't been a good at shot stopping either, preventing teams from getting shots, whereas Girona is also an above average team in shots allowed per 90. So everything you look at Across the board with Sevilla, just screams just terrible team. Uh, and like we mentioned, they've gotten really old. And if you look at it, you want anybody want to guess who the leading score is for Sevilla this season in the league? You'll never get it. Oh man, is it Konya? No, it is a three-way tie. One of which being Eric Lamella. Lamella, I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, so and he's got go. the second most shots for them this year. So that really kind of gets it into perspective. It's actually not having a bad season, but. Like it's really bad for Sevilla and they're a worse team on the road who they're barely worse than a pick So I'm going to take Giron on the money line at plus plus one forty. I love them at home in this spot. I think they roll. Uh, they're just better on both ends of the pitch, better in the midfield. Uh, so happy to happy to fade Sevilla. BJ for you in La Liga. I have both teams to score. No, at an insanely high price. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. I love doing it's going to be Mallorca and Osasuna. Both teams to score. No at minus one. 50. These are two actually the top five defensive teams in non-penalty expected goals allowed, shots allowed for 90, big scoring chance allowed, and two offenses that just flat out suck. I mean, we have Osasuna has created over one expected goal twice in their last 12 matches, and it was against Real Valladolid 
and Valencia. And I believe Valencia got a red card in that one. And I mean, speaking of Athletic Bilbao, they just held them to one expected goal on Monday, which was just a complete snoozer of a match. And I'm thinking this is going to be the exact same type of match. Two teams that like to play very direct. It's going to be a big, big time stalemate here. Mallorca, the only teams they've allowed over one expected goal to in their last 12 matches have been Sociedad, Valencia, Madrid, and uh, Getafe, um, which kind of an outlier there. But anyway, I predict this at minus 198. So I like the price at minus 150. And I'm always here to give the people an insanely priced BTTS no in the bottom half of the table in Spain. Although Osuna is in the top half. That's a great note uh, to end that portion of the program on. And now we get to talk about some bigger prices, some longer prices, rather than minus 150, both teams to score no. Uh, our favorite <laughs> Worst underdog, bet of all time. Our favorite underdogs uh, for the weekend. Anthony, I think the uh, last uh, one I gave one. Just like it did. It was out. like minus 170, and, yeah. and it was like 1-0. It was beautiful. Yeah. That's all uh, I mean. Anthony, who's your favorite underdog this weekend? I'm just glad it doesn't involve Katafe. That's that was what I was expecting him to say when he said both teams to score no at an obnoxious <laughs> price. Just the the worst team in Europe. But uh I like Brighton plus two fifty-five. Uh I just think that you know, I, I think I did Brighton as my underdog when they played Arsenal a couple weeks ago and that ended poorly. But the goals are a good matchup for Liverpool. They've caused problems for Liverpool in the past. Liverpool hasn't solved any of their issues. They have injury issues, they have injury problems both in attack and defense. I mean, we talked at length about Brighton, so I don't think we need to keep going, but I like them plus 255. Uh, yeah, and I like Palace. Uh, they're plus 425 at Stanford Bridge on uh, Sunday. We talked a lot about Chelsea's problems right off the top, previewing their uh, showdown with Fulham. Banged up, short rest, not very good. 4-3 four, and 4 would draw loss in their last uh, underground Potter, 11 matches in, uh, in the Premier League, 12 goals for, 10 goals against. A minus 3.7 expected goal differential per understat. That's mid-table numbers. Would a mid-table team be minus 163 against Crystal Palace? I don't think so. So uh, I'll take a shot here. Plus 425. Patrick Vieira's Eagles. They've let me down a lot this season. And they'll probably do it again. BJ, what do you have? You know, Michael, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the right opportunity to fade this stupid Lazio team. And I think I found the spot here. Sassuolo plus 210 at home against Lazio. I mean, they're doing it again. We're at, what, a plus 13 actual goal differential, plus 0.9 expected goal differential because, again, they're just finishing it at an insane, insane rate offensively. But this is the spot here where Lazio is starting to get overvalued, although Ciro Immobile is going to be back. He's probably going to score some banger from outside the box. But Sassuolo, Sassuolo is in... They're in dreadful form. They have lost five of their last six. They have conceded close to 12, 12 expected goal or 12 actual goals. Expected is only around eight. So they're due for some positive regression. Um, this is just another good spot where I'm just going to fade Lazio. I only project, actually project this right around a pick. I'm Swallow plays much better at home. They're actually a plus 1.8 expected goal differential at home and they've just been terrible on the road. So Swallow. Plus two ten against Lazio. It's a it's a beautiful parlay. Sassuolo, Brighton, Palace. I feel good about, feel good about this one. This this is going to be a, the week. This is going to be the week mm-hmm. again. Uh, Fifty eight to one uh, for one. for the underdog money line parlay gives you some good 
bankroll uh, as we head towards the Australian Open. And I'll say right now that Matteo Berrettini at thirty-five to one—that's mm. that's my 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 pick. I, I, and Tiafo, if you can get a triple-digit number on him. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about our best bets in the Premier League now. VJ, uh, right back to you. Brighton plus half a goal at minus one twenty against Liverpool. Liverpool has major problems right now, and it starts in the midfield. The reason Liverpool hasn't been that great is because they're not be able to run people over the midfield like they have in the past. And it comes down to guys like Thiago, Jordan Henderson, Fabinho. They've just gotten old. They can't cover ground like they used to. And so what happens with Liverpool is that guys like Harvey Elliott are not guys who are going to make runs into the box. He's more of a ball carrier, likes to supply the front line. So guys like Thiago or Jordan Henderson are having to make those runs into the box once Liverpool has possession in the final third. But once they lose the ball... Guys like Virgil van Dyke were the ones actually cleaning up a lot of the transition. Well, he's going to be out for this match. Brighton is absolutely the team you do not want to see if you have midfield problems because Deserby's team can play through the middle, they can play out wide, and they can play right through pressure. They're one of the best teams outside of the big six at playing through pressure. They've been running incredibly hot offensively, but they're still creating a ton of ton of expected goals and they'll be creating a lot of chances. And they'll have advantages through the middle of the pitch. They'll have a huge advantage on the left side of the pitch with Mitoma and Solly March, two outstanding ball carriers going against Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's one of the worst defending right backs in the Premier League. This is an outstanding spot for Brighton, and I really just don't get the price here, Michael. We have Liverpool sitting at plus 105 when Arsenal league leaders just went to Brighton a week and a half ago and were plus 115. So this is an outstanding price, a spot you dream of if you bet the Premier League. I love Brighton, plus half a goal at minus 120. Uh, yeah, my favorite bet is also Brighton, but I like him on the money line, plus 240, 21 goals scored, 18 goals, expect, 18.3 expected goals created for Deserby Seagulls going up against a very, very shaky, suspect, fraudulent Liverpool defense. Uh, it's just a great spot, like BJ just said. This is a beautiful number and a beautiful team. A team that has always paid off for us. Uh, Anthony, close out the show, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to go Brentford and Bournemouth under two and a half at plus 110. Bournemouth has been a pretty good set piece defense, and that's about all the good things you can say about this team. They have really struggled anytime they've gone up in competition and played a team in the top half of the table. They have had no attack whatsoever. I think it's going to continue to be a problem. We saw it against Chelsea, against Man United. They have not been good. Now they get a Brentford team who's who's a big favorite on the money line. You know, you don't see Brentford at minus 150 in this league, given the little market respect they get. And I just wonder how good they're going to be. They don't really have the passing quality to really break down a defensive team in tight spaces. They're very good in transition, very good on set pieces, but they don't really profile that well as a favorite here at home. So I think they're going to struggle to get margin. They may win the match, but I, I see this as a 1-0, 2-0, maybe 1-1 type game where under two and a half is clearly undervalued. Tony is a question mark with his injury health status right now and his potential suspension looming as well. It could come any day. So I like the under here, two and a half. All right, uh, that does it for this episode of Wonder Goal. It is a wonderful schedule of matches uh, this weekend in the Premier League, and we hope you enjoy them, you win some money on them, and maybe Everton gets us three points as we start charging up the table. For Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff. Thank you once again to Bet365, our wonderful sponsors. We'll see you again next week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.